But welcome to the gathering. My name's Dustin, and I, like Keith was saying, I feel humbled and blessed to be able to get up here and, and share the gospel with you guys. But I just want to give a hand to the Foss family who come week after week and do amazing worship. I want you guys to keep that going and give yourselves a hand for this amazing Easter season we just had. And keep your hands going and give praise to Jesus for overcoming the cross and death, defeating everything and coming back for us. It's a wonderful time. I love all these holidays. Um, as you can see, my kid brought an Easter basket with him anyway, so I love the holidays and being a part of it. I get to live, relive my childhood through him. But um, I had an amazing Easter Sunday. It was uh, truly a blessing where we had a get-together, and it was huge. Like, honestly, hundreds and hundreds of people just talking, celebrating, laughing, having fun. Where actually I could say, first, I had an Easter dinner at home with my family with about seven people and a really fat cat. <laughs> but what I'm talking about is a family celebration I had here at Journey to Church, where we all got to come together. However many people showed up, we got to laugh, we got to celebrate, and we got to have a good time just sharing in the love of what Easter truly means and getting to be with each and every one of us is truly a blessing to have. And that's this point I want to get home. I mean, it was talked a little bit in communion in some of the worship songs that we sang, but this is all about love. This is all about being together and sharing in this community. And just to put you in my shoes for a little bit, like when I park outside, I don't feel like I'm parking at the community center. It feels like I'm pulling in to my house, into my own driveway. When I walk through these doors, I get the chance to, to hang out with my best friends. I get to laugh and joke about their bad sports teams. I get to talk about life with each and every one of us. I get to come hang out with my wife and my son. We all get to grow in this church together. We all get to be a part of something. And it's amazing to see, like, I know a lot of us feel the same thing, that Easter, as we celebrated all together, it didn't feel like we were just acquaintances. It felt like you were coming home and you wanted to hang out with your family. And so that's just another round of applause for you guys, being this amazing family, and it's just exciting to see how we all laugh, cry, talk, and grow together. But the host of this party, the host of our festivities, is our amazingly heavenly Father the one that pulls the seat out for all of us and welcomes us. I can remember back being a youngster and waiting for my dad to get home just so I could hang out with him for like 10 to 15 minutes while it's still light outside to play catch, shoot hoops. God's always accessible for us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to have us at this huge gatherings all the time, bringing us with our brothers and sisters. He wants this whole family feel together. But the thing about families is we actually have to get to know each other. And that's why I love Wednesday nights when we get to have these round tables and get to talk to each other. Because we get a chance to get to know the person next to you. You get to ask questions. You get to dig into their lives. You get to see what's going on. You go through their high times and your low times. See, the thing with family is that in one way you're kind of stuck with them. 
And now you guys are stuck with me, so I expect presents on my birthday and for Christmas, and just a fair warning. But it's amazing to have this family type of atmosphere. But as you guys know that families isn't always what you see on the Hallmark Channel. It's not always everybody's happy, everybody's celebrating. There are times when there's going to be some pain. There's times where we're going to have to grow together. And there's going to be those uncomfortable situations. And the parents know what I'm talking about, where we have to discipline and have to be super involved in our lives to make sure that we continue growing up the way that is not only Christ-like, but the proper way. So as we get started, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about in a nutshell tonight. And we had a nice break. We had our Passion Wednesday service, and now we're jumping right back into our book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So the tone has been set. We are all family, and we're all part of this together. So if you guys could stand with me and open up your Bibles or open your phone app or simply look at the screen, and we're going to be reading through 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. So I decided that I would not bring you grief with another painful visit. For if I cause you grief, who will make me glad? Certainly not someone I have grieved. That is why I wrote to you as I did, so that when I do come, I won't be grieved by the very ones who ought to give me the greatest joy. Surely you all know that my joy comes from your being joyful. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful for this time. I'm thankful for this building. I'm thankful for everyone that comes through those doors, whether they're here tonight or Sunday, that we have this family, that we can continue to grow and be open with each other. I ask you to use us as vessels tonight, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit in and just administer to us whatever needs to be said, Lord. Lord, we put down these walls, that we keep our egos in check, that we're not prideful, that we let these words that may be tough sink into us a little bit so we can be more in the kingdom of you, Lord. It's your powerful and graceful name we pray. All God's people said, amen. So we're going through 11 verses tonight. And the first four verses are going to be a little bit different to set the tone, which is what Paul likes to do in his letters. So I want to go back and revisit and kind of slow down on some good points that I liked of something we just read. So I decided that I would not bring you grief with another painful visit. For if I cause you grief, who will make me glad? Certainly not someone I have grieved. That is why I wrote to you as I did, so that when I do come, I won't be grieved by the very ones who ought to give me the greatest joy. Surely you all know that my joy comes from your being joyful. I wrote that letter in great anguish with a troubled heart and many tears. I didn't want to grieve you, but I want to hold on to this, but I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. See, this first four verses, like I was saying, we actually get to see what Paul is feeling for this church in Corinth. He loves the people there. He's a pastor of the church. He invested time in this church. He helped the ones grow in this church. 
And he's saying it brings him great joy when they're joyous. He wants everyone to be happy. He wants them all to grow up in this kingdom. But we just see what he says in 1B. He says he saved himself from another painful visit. See, he's a leader here, and he's began to notice that whenever he's tried to fix his problems, he noticed whenever he tries to administer a little bit of tough love, whenever he tries to right the ship of things going wrong, he's beginning to see that they bounce back, that they, they don't want anything to hear of it, that some people hear it, but a lot of people turn away. They're not listening to it. And in fact, there's still factions in the church that he's dealing with. There's still sin going on in this church. They're still trying to discredit his apostleship in this church, talking bad about him because he didn't want to go on this trip. So instead he wrote a letter, and now they're saying, well, we can't even trust Paul. These are all things that he has to deal with. And he's expressing this with a pen and a paper to the Corinthians. And it made me think, because I like to, I don't think often, but when I do, I try to think out loud. And he was going, I mean, what if Paul just decided to say, you know, forget it. They're not listening to me. I'm done with it. Like, I tried to teach them. I'm okay walking away with it because I tried to do what I could do. Just forget these guys if they're not going to pay attention to me. And I started to think back to my childhood, to my authoritative figures, my parents. What if they just decided to give up on disciplining me? What if they decided to go away from trying to teach me what's right from wrong? And what if I started doing that with my own son? What if I tried to get away from that because I didn't want to cause an uproar or I didn't want to have to deal with it? I just wanted the easy way out. What Paul is doing by writing these letters to the church is out of love. He loves them so much. He did not enjoy disciplining and being authoritative to his friends and fellow believers but he cared enough about them to teach them their wrongdoings. Now, I think what he says at the end of verse 4 needs to be said over and over again, not only for what is being said in that church, but it stands true with us today. It will stand true all of our days that when we deal with this church atmosphere, when we have to deal with these tough things of discipline or coming down on people, it's not because we're trying to embarrass people. It's not because the church wants to make other people look bad. It's all because of what's underlying. Because I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. The easiest thing to do is walk away and let things be. But the responsible and tough thing that sometimes we have to deal with is bringing these things forward. But I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. And I want that image of love to kind of marinate in our minds right now. So I'm going to go ahead and do some table talk. And like I said, 
Easter was all about family. This is all about being together. So talk to your family around the table. You guys aren't friends. You guys aren't acquaintances. If this is your first time here, you've just met your new sister or your new brother. This is your family members. Get to know each other. Dig in. I don't want to hear silence. This is a time to dig in and actually have some fun. How much time do we have? see how the tables are going. You got a, at least five minutes. So I want you guys to dig in, ask how their day is going, ask what they need prayer for. So one of the things about love is actually praying for that person next to you. So don't pray for yourself. Of course do that, but I'm saying, why not the next person pray for you so you can dig in and get a little bit of love in there?
Guys got about another two minutes to, to wrap it up. You guys got one last minute to wrap it up. We're going to go ahead and bring it back together, finish up that last prayer. Now, see, I think it's important to do table talk like this and dig into our lives a little bit because if you're not comfortable saying how your day is or asking for prayer to someone at your table, then we truly haven't built that special bond yet. So this is important to let our guard down, to trust people and start letting people pray and administer healing into our lives so we can start bringing more people into this family and getting further connected to God. Now, see, I, I thought this was huge when I kind of wrote this. I'm not going to quote myself like uh, our buddy Bonesaw, but <laughs> when we don't make any moves to help people change, it's because we're focusing on being liked too much. 
where we don't actually like the person enough to try to help them change or follow suit to do this thing a little bit differently. See, Paul is writing this as a church leader to this church. And it's important to know for everyone in this building and all the churches across the nation that pastors and church leaders truly care for their flock, that they are involved, that they're invested, that they truly love them like Paul is saying. And there's going to be times when what we're about to read and dive into that it's going to get uncomfortable a little bit, but it's only going to get as uncomfortable as you make it. Because there are times when we have to bring things up or else we're worrying about ourselves too much and making sure that we don't make other people mad and making sure that we'd rather other people kind of live in sin rather than bring it out. That's a tough thing to talk about, but we got to bring it up at some points. Because I started to think, like, if I loved my son, which I do, I'm going to bring up and stop things that he's doing that are wrong, that could hurt other people, to hurt himself, to hurt our family. And the same thing, I need to be held accountable if I'm doing something wrong, whether it be my wife or one of my brothers in Christ or Jeff will come up to me and hold me accountable and say, you're hurting other people, you're hurting the church, you're hurting everybody. It's this thing called accountability where we begin to get into each other's lives, where we begin to start getting into each other's lives so you know that you can hold on to somebody, that you know that you can start to be restored next to somebody because you have accountability with them, because you know that you can count on them, you can know that you can get through this thing together because why? Because we're a family. Churches and church leaders need to hold people accountable or else we're doing a disservice to the kingdom. And sometimes there's this uncomfortable meetings that we're going to have, but it's not, like I said, to embarrass people. It's Paul's not doing this to embarrass anyone and make them feel bad. He's simply doing this because he loves them so much and he wants to see a change. So let's continue on with scripture as we go through verse 5 and 6. So I'm not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now there are two stories of who Paul is talking to in this situation. One of them, they say that he's talking about someone in one of the lost letters, but I'm going to tell you what about what I believe. I believe Paul is speaking about a man that we taught about in 1 Corinthians, about this man that was living in sin with another woman that deeply hurt him and deeply hurt the church. And I think we have the scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. said, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame, and you should remove this man from your fellowship. That's tough. 
That's tough love. And they did kick him out of the church. But you could ask, well, why, why would you kick someone out of church? And he explains it a little bit later in verse 6 in 1 Corinthians, where he says, you're boasting about that is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. See, the problem was that they turned a blind eye to this man because they didn't want to deal with what was going on. They just kind of wanted to let everything run its course and let sin stay in this room. No one cared enough about this man to say, hey, I don't really agree with what you're doing. I see a problem with what's going on. No, what they did was just let him continue living in sin until the pastor, until Paul came through and told them, you got to kick this guy out of church because there becomes a time where we have to separate ourselves and understand what sin is wrong, what we've done is wrong, because that's the only way that we can try to fix the problem that's going on in our lives. Sometimes being separated and realizing what's going on around us. I mean, that man, he lost his family in that time. His friends deserted him. Everyone away from him. He was alone. So when Paul's writing about in this verse saying that's punishment for himself, everyone was away from this man. And so in verse 7, it, there's a silver lining, so don't worry, it's not all gloom and doom. And verse 7 says, Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. Forgiveness, acceptance, and comfort. This is to kick people out of church and forget about them and let the tumbleweeds collect around them, let dust collect on them. There's a time to confront, but there's also a time for comfort. The church is a place for healing, restoration, for growth, and new beginnings. And it's important as we hold our family accountable, the people next to you, your brothers and sisters. It's important that we know that things aren't doing out of spite. Things aren't said out of spite, it's out of love. And that once we repent of our sins, because I think that's huge right now, that this man went and repented of the sins, it sounded like. So he's been off by himself. He's away from God. He's away from his friends. He's away from his family. He repented of his sins. And as a church, as a whole, we've gotten, I'm not saying journey, this is, journey's pretty awesome, but a lot of churches have gotten a little too judgmental. They've gotten a little too, well, if he's lost, if he's sinned and he's done that, we're just going to stick him out over there because we don't really want to be seen with him. But it's a complete opposite. We need to welcome that person back with open arms, loving on them, giving them honor and saying, it's all right, now let's start growing together. Let's start moving past this. That's what Paul is trying to get by in all this talk. 
And in verse 9, as we finish up the scripture, Paul says, I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. When we focus on the hurt or the pain or anything else, we try to put other people to be the bad guy, but the true bad guy is Satan. Satan is truly waiting for that man to just be forgotten about so he can have another one for his side. At the same time, if we were to neglect sin like they were doing back then, Satan has a chance to creep in when we're least expecting it. But I'm so excited that here at Journey that we have a foundational based off God being at the center point, and we know that we have people lifting us up. We know that we have people with a true foundation of love, that we live out our mission statement, a loving the world one person at a time, that we continue to share that love and family members all around, that we can move past this. By us being accountable and involved with the ones around us in this whole journey family, we have a better chance to live by what is written in Ephesians Chapter 4, verse 11. Now these things are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. That's that Satan part. Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. A true family living together, a complete standard of Christ. Not falling for tricks, but helping each other grow healthy out of love. As I think about Easter and what Jesus did for us, I always associate it with spring, that we get this chance to have new life, a new breath, this new, everything, flowers are shooting up, everything just seems bright and sunny, that our season doesn't just end after Easter, it's actually a starting point. And this is a new starting point with all of our family here, 
that we don't just come in and sit down week after week. We start being accountable for each other. We start shaking hands and hugging. We start texting people and calling people and asking how they're doing. We start building bonds that can last a lifetime. So that when those, if, I hope it never does, but if that time ever comes where there's something going wrong or we start moving astray, that we trust the person next to us is truly looking out for us and not trying to hurt us in any way. That's what accountability is all about. And that's what Paul has been talking about this whole letter, is becoming a family that God built. And I began to think of this, this story I heard about a year back. And it was this man named Steve. But at the time, he was just a little boy named Steve. And his dad was Mr. Kevin Gregg. And they had the perfect family, it looked like. He had the wife, Mrs. Gregg. There was four kids, three girls and this one boy, Steve. And they went through life together. The, the father was a great entrepreneur. He had this great business that just started to blow up, making tons of money. But with that, he stopped being home as much as he used to. And he started hiring some people that may not have been as qualified in their job, but they're qualified in the looks department. And see, what happened is that Mr. Greg eventually had an affair with one of the people working with him, and it tore their family apart. This, this blew away Steve, and he made that vow as a young child to say, I'm never going to be like my father. And so as Steve got older, Steve started to have his own family. He had a wife. He had four kids. This, he had two girls and two boys. And he was coming up on about 39 years of age, which is the same age that his father had that affair. And see, Steve grew up with this guy named Bruce. I'm changing the names because it, it sounds better. But Bruce was a childhood friend. <laughs> and this childhood friend grew up with him, and he remembers hearing all this pain because he trusted him, and he wanted to hear more about his life. So he dug into his life. They prayed together. They talked about things. And he's like, I'm never going to be like my father. You have to help me with that. And Bruce is like, yeah, man, don't worry about it. You probably won't. You're pretty smart. But Steve's business took a little bit longer, but also started to explode. And Steve started to spend a little more time on the road than he wanted to. And he saw his kids a little bit less. He saw his friend Bruce a little bit less. He saw his wife a little bit less. And so they went out to have an adult beverage one night. And Bruce said, hey, your birthday's coming up. What are you planning on doing? He's like, oh, I don't know. I think I might go out with a few work people and just hang out. He's like, why wouldn't you go home with your family? You're finally home for a weekend. You know who you're turning into? And at that moment, it clicked in his head that he was turning into exactly what he didn't want to be. 
He was going down the exact same road that his father went down. And if things would have led to be, he possibly could have done that same thing. He could have cheated on his wife. He could have done anything, numerous things. But because of Bruce standing up and being accountable in his life and then being uncomfortable and saying, man, what are you doing? That uncomfortability led to love. That stopped him from doing other things. And that it may pain us for a little moment, but at the end of the day, it gives us a chance to save what we have. It gives us a chance to keep the true bonds that are meaningful. It gives us a chance to continue living that godly life that he wants for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so blown away at just how you're moving, not only in this church, but in all the nation. As you continue to show our blessings and just gives us a time to reflect, gives us a time to, to see if we need changes in our lives, to see if we need a new circle of friends to hang around, if we need to take a step back from things that aren't as important and just zero back in on you, Lord, and bringing our family with us. Ask you to touch everyone's heart here that we know that not only us on the staff, but everyone who sits in these seats are a part of their family, that at any time we're only a phone call away with a lending, a helping hand or a lending ear, that this isn't just acquaintances anymore. From this moment on, we are brothers and sisters with our amazingly heavenly Father. I ask you to help us make changes and stand up and get uncomfortable when we have to get uncomfortable and ease that pain whenever we have to get there, that we have that bridge to show that it's only out of love where we have those uncomfortable situations. Lord, that if anyone is on the outs right now, like that man was in the story in Corinthians, that you give them the power to repent of their sins, the power to come back in, and that we give them that gracious heart and love that he needs. I ask tonight as we go home and we pray that you put someone on our heart that may need a little more forgiveness or may need some love, that may be at a low point that we know that you can make a difference with, Lord. Please put them on our hearts. I ask for healing, restoration, and transformation. Lord, I ask for all these things because of your power, because of how amazing you are. Be with us all of our days. It's your name we pray. Amen.